0: What are the important factors to look for when interviewing at medical schools? How does one choose to go into the specialty of plastics and reconstructive surgery? What does a fourth-year schedule look like for the field of plastic surgery? And finally, how do you find balance for family life and hobbies during medical school? Today on Talking Admissions and Med Student Life, I interview Ben, a fourth-year medical student here at the University of Utah School of Medicine. Helping you prepare for one of the most rewarding careers in the world. This is Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with your host, the Dean of Admissions at the University of Utah School of Medicine, Dr. Benjamin Chan. All right, welcome to another edition of Talking Admissions and Med Student Life. I got a great guest today, Ben, uh, who is a current fourth year medical student. Hello, Ben. Hello. Um. So, um. yeah, we were just talking about – Uh. let's we'll, we'll kind of start at the end and work backwards. Let's, let's, let's go crazy for this one, all right? So we were just talking before you joined about what field you've chosen to go into and what field have you chosen?
1: Chosen to go into plastic and reconstructive surgery.
0: All right. And, and why did you choose that? How would you come to that decision?
1: Well, it wasn't an easy decision. And like many people, I had kind of a large misconception of what plastic surgeons actually did. I thought it was a lot of kind of what you see on TV with mm-hmm. – um, like Botched, the TV show, or Nip Tuck, the drama series. And so I didn't really have a lot of interest in it at first. But I always kind of knew I wanted to go into surgery because I was always very hands-on, kind of a blue-collar worker growing up as a mechanic and on a farm. Um, While I was in my third-year rotations, I I had the privilege of this experience working with a woman that was, had a very invasive uterine cancer that had inv- invaded the bowels, the bladder, the ureters, and multiple surgery teams took uh, care of her over the day. And as different teams worked on her, I was always very impressed um, at their goal of debulking the tumor, trying to prolong her life. Uh, but it wasn't until the plastic surgeon showed up at the very end of the day. Uh, this woman was open from sternum to perineum and just... Uh, kept wondering, how is she ever going to get back to a normal life, even if she becomes cancer-free after this? And as these plastic surgeons put her back together, it hit me very strongly that they're the ones that are going to give her a chance at a normal life again. Mm. And it was kind of an emotional connection that I had with it that i had never had before with any other service. So that started my interest in plastic surgery and kind of uh, continuing on from there, learning at the large diversity of cases they have, working on large-scale dissections and operating under the microscope in the same day, uh, seeing children and adults within the same day. It just offers so much variety and Mm -hmm. so much opportunity to think through things and not cookie-cutter operations. So that's why I chose it.
0: One of the things I've been impressed with, you know, obviously I'm not a plastic surgeon, but I remember uh, I did a rotation in it back in my med school days. And, uh, you know, with the University of Utah being a tertiary care center, we have a burn surgery unit. And I remember the plastic surgery team would consult sometimes with the burn surgeons Uh, for helping people who've been disfigured from fires and things like that. Is that still going on today? That is
1: still very much going on today. And Dr. Cochran, who is one of the surgeons in the burn unit and also runs our surgery clerkship, was Mm -hmm. absolutely amazing. And I had multiple opportunities working with her and the other burn surgeons of taking care of like the acute burn management and even some patients who'd had such significant scarring that, for example, they couldn't open their hand anymore. Or they couldn't rotate at the shoulder anymore. And working with them to try to restore movement um, to that joint was um, also something that plastic surgeons do and kind of also helped lead me in that direction. Mm-hmm
0: yeah I mean I think it's great you talk about this Ben, because I think there is I agree with you what you said there's this media perception of what plastic surgery is like but you know talking with you you know there there are individuals who have sur- suffered from cancer or, or, or horrible f- burns and they need that reconstructive plastic surgery so it's not just all, like I guess there's a difference between cosmetic and then plastic reconstructive would you agree with that or is, I definitely are, are those agree. two terms synonymous or what would you say I would agree
1: with that but I believe that aesthetic surgery or cosmetics also has its role okay um, and. Even if your focus is on wanting to do the reconstructive surgery, similar to mine, the training in the aesthetics is uh, vitally important to that as well. Because you're not only trying to restore function, you're also, as a plastic surgeon, trying to restore the form. Mm-hmm. Excellent.
0: What does a fourth year schedule look like if you're interested in plastic surgery? What kind of rotations have you been doing?
1: So my rotation is or my schedule has been fairly open. Mm-hmm. Um, I started off the year with some breaks to study for our step exams. Um, and I've done multiple sub-internships in plastic surgery, both here at the University of Utah and going elsewhere to rotate at other facilities. So as away, well. rotations. Yes, okay. away rotations. Yes, away rotations. After that, uh, you want to have schedule some time to kind of be very flexible for interview season, which usually lasts from the beginning of December through the end of January and even into February a little bit, and you need to be able to have a flexible enough schedule to leave for a week at a time to go interview at three or four places. Mm-hmm. Um, throughout the rest of this year, I'm doing rotations on emergency medicine, inter- or interventional radiology, as well as a general surgery sub-internship and a-
0: another rotation in the burn ICU. Oh wow! So so sounds like you start off, you know, with the steps, step studying interviews, and kind of flir- finish with a flurry of rotations. So yeah, yeah. all right. Um, Hmm. So, like, you know, moving forward, you know, we kind of – we were talking about, like, you're experiencing, um, you know, the residency interviews. Um, if you can think back, like, do you feel it's similar to interviewing for med school or is it different in, in what way?
1: I think it's a little bit different. Okay. Um, I think when you're interviewing for medical school, at least for me, it's – well, it's also different because I've had four more years to kind of mature in my mm-hmm. thinking – um, and realize what it is that I'm really looking for. When I was interviewing for medical school, I remember it was just this very kind of awkward scramble of, got to get in somewhere. Mm. Um, and you didn't really care where, as long as you got that first acceptance letter. And then once people would start getting that first letter and then start getting additional letters, then you could say, okay, which one did I feel better about? But initially it was just so much pressure to match into somewhere because there were so many people applying. As I applied to residency... It's The fear is always in my mind, what if I don't match? But I believe it when I really kind of think down to it, I think that those odds are pretty low. Mm. And it's, so it's much more the focus is on trying to find the right place for me. The best trying, fit. The best, yeah, yeah. So you're looking for a personality fit. Mm-hmm. You're also looking for a program that's tailored towards what you're really interested in within that
0: subspecialty. Yeah. I think the hardest part, Ben, I like what you said. Like the, you know, I think the hardest part is it's hard from the outside. I mean, you get this little taste, right? And you interview and you meet these people, and they take you to lunch, and maybe they take you to dinner. Um, and you get this little taste of the program, but not until you're fully in the program do you get to see like all the positives and some of the negatives, you know. So I've always wondered, like, you know, I think it's I think it's really hard from the outside to figure out that fit. I think there's certainly clues. You can look for? I mean, are the residents happy? Do they seem to be, you know, are they participating? Do they seem to be recruiting you? Or, you know, do they seem to be very welcoming? Or is this kind of a vibe of like, oh, we're overworked in our program, you shouldn't come here. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of instability in terms of the, like the leadership. I mean, is that kind of stuff you're looking for? Like, I guess, how, how do you find the fit? I mean, well, very
1: much for? so. I mean, one of the most obvious things that happens is does everybody show up? Mm. You have you go to some programs and the service has canceled everything they're doing that day. You have all of the attendings and all of the residents, including the interns, which may be on other services at the time, will be there at the interview to welcome you, talk to you about what the program is like. Whereas other some programs you'll go to, maybe you'll have two or three residents of the 12 that are there show up. Not all of the faculty will be there. And it really makes – it goes a long way to kind mm-hmm. of realize, are they put it, making this a priority for me
0: to be here or does it seem like this is just something that's happening and they're too busy to care? Yeah. I, you know, residency programs are by definition much smaller than med school classes. So to me, it's almost like a family. Like they're kind of interviewing you as a potential new member of the family. And so I like, you know, does the family kind of drop everything and make you feel welcome? Or is it they're so busy they only send, like, you know, a couple people to kind of scout you out, I guess? Yeah, right? I very much agree. And yeah. when you think about the kind of hours that residents put in, you'll see them more than you'll see your own family. Mm-hmm. So another difference between interviewing for med school residency is, like, I think residency programs, like, they kind of try to lay out the red carpet a little bit more. And I'm talking about, like, like the night before dinner. So... I remember when I was a student, it was always very debated, like, like, do you go to the dinner, or do you not? Like, how much, you know, do you really try to schedule your plane in time to attend that dinner? Well, like, what's been your philosophy? Have you attended those dinners, or what kind of advice have you gotten? So
1: I've attended all of those dinners. Um, partially, my mentor told me that a lot of places will not rank you if you don't go to those. It okay. shows a true commitment to their program if you're willing to show up the night before going out with the residents. But as I've been doing it more, I realize how important it is. It's okay. your chance to interface with the residents without the faculty hanging around in the background. And the residents are more likely to kind of be themselves, tell you how much it is because they don't have their boss looking over their shoulder
0: as they're telling you an answer. Mm-hmm. And I remember, because I went to a bunch of the dinners too, it was just this awesome feeling of ordering anything I want off the menu, including a dessert, and you don't have to worry about paying for it. I don't know. It's the small things in life. I remember as a med student, I didn't get very often. Yeah. I mean, the downside is I think I've
1: gained 15 pounds on this interview (laughs) trail just from eating all sorts of fried food and interesting beverages.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's fun. All right. So, um, you know, let's let's talk more about med school here. So, um, you know, man, like... You know, a lot of people are coming in, like, you know, people are applying, people have been accepted. When you look back on your four years here, um, what advice would you give someone who's starting off in med school?
1: The very first piece of advice that I would give is, like, starting when you're on the interview trail is look at the people that you're interviewing with. That ends up being the biggest factor. As I look back on medical school and all the happy memories that I have, they all have to do with my classmates. And a little bit less to do with specific lectures that we've gotten, and so I think trying to see who else is interviewing there and likely to be a classmate is the most important thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, As far as medical school goes, to uh, like the things to look for, kind of are that I thought felt were important were a school that gets you into clinics and seeing patients early on. Uh, Some programs don't want you or don't allow time for contact with patients until. You're in your third year. Mm -hmm. Um, Here at the University of Utah, we've been very lucky to – I've been in a clinic since my second week of medical
0: school, which has been outstanding to start to see what physicians actually do. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Um, What was the biggest surprise when you came to medical school? What just caught you off guard? What, What weren't you prepared for?
1: I think the big thing that caught me off guard was I was expecting medical school to be this very challenging, very daunting task. Uh, Coming from a background of mechanical engineering, which is not very typical in medical school, I'd been told by a lot of people, oh, you're not biology, you're not chemistry, you're not anatomy or physiology. You haven't been preparing for medical school for several years, and how would you expect to compete? As I got into medical school, I was kind of almost shocked at how well I did. Mm -hmm. I was amazed that I found it to actually be a lot easier than I was expecting it Mm -hmm. to be. Um, that being said, though, it's very self-directed learning. We are in class here for four hours a day um, when you could ease and then after class, you could easily go up and go skiing or enjoy the beautiful mountains here in Salt Lake City. But um, the people who truly excel here are people that are driven enough to after lecture go set aside very specific dedicated time to begin studying on their
0: own mm-hmm. and trying to expand their knowledge base. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned those relationships, those those friendships with your classmates, Um, and you went to undergrad at Utah State, correct? That's correct. I mean, when you started here, did you know that many people, or are these just kind of new relationships just started?
1: I actually didn't know anybody in my Mm -hmm. class. I think I recognized on the first day one person who I had interviewed with, but Mm -hmm. she was not from here. Um, Came to find out later, there were a few of us from Utah State, but... um, medical school was kind of a later decision for me and I didn't really know any of the other pre-medical students there. Mm. And so I didn't really know anybody when I got here.
0: Mm. So you're saying that you graduated Utah State and then had some time off before applying?
1: Well, I graduated with my bachelor's, uh, pursued a master's degree. Okay. And during my master's degree, I decided to go to medical school. I mm-hmm. um, finished my master's degree at the time that I was applying to medical school and kind of had that year off to Um, pursue more research and kind of try to figure out more what it was that I wanted to do. So did you consider yourself a non-traditional when you applied? I I would, yes. Okay.
0: So what advice would you give to non-traditionals out there?
1: You can get in and you can succeed. Uh, You can be very (laughs) successful in medical school.
0: Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you have been, uh, Ben. I mean, it sounds like you've done very well. And, you know, obviously I, I, I have a complete... 100% confidence that you will match because you have a number of interview offers. So I think it's just when you think about your life, I think it's a very beautiful arc and narrative. So, I mean, we're, you know, going back a few years, like, you know, did you ever think about med school before the master's and dismiss the idea? Or what what about it? I mean, I'm just trying to understand where that came from. Well, when I was
1: um, younger, growing up on a farm, we do a lot of um, veterinary care for the cattle. And I always kind of liked... Uh, the working with animals, I liked working, uh, providing medical care to them as well. Um, I grew up next door to a veterinarian and there was a period in my life that I thought I wanted to do that. Mm-hmm. And But he was very kind of influential in helping me realize that's probably not the right path for me. Um, so my views kind of shifted to broaden my medical experience a little bit and thought about medical school briefly after high school. Uh, as I started as a freshman in college, I took about half of my pre-medical required classes and then got so wrapped up into engineering and the 21-credit semesters that they would have us do mm-hmm. that I didn't really have time to think about it anymore. And I was enjoying the designing aircraft or thinking about different ways to generate power and uh, really kind of started enjoying the engineering thing and thought, well, if I could do this without having to do four more years of school plus mm-hmm. a residency – then this might be a good thing. As I continued in engineering, though, I started to look around and kind of see where my classmates who were graduating and my friends, where were they going, and looking at what they did on a day-to-day. As this was happening, I realized that a lot of them were in positions that I didn't really want to be. They were sitting in a cubicle, working at a computer, writing software all day, or they would work on a project that sounded very impressive and interesting, but when you came down to what they were actually doing, we're working on a very small part of that project that was a little bit less interesting. And as I would talk to my wife about it, I could tell she was bored and I was bored with what we were talking about. So I started looking at other places that I might want to go. And into the medical field through engineering was where I had originally thought, and wanting to get into biomedical engineering mm-hmm. and work for a firm that designed medical equipment or Medical technology. devices, yeah, yeah. Um, As I was thinking about this, um, my father unfortunately had an accident involving a table saw where he nearly lost his thumb. Mm. And I remember my mom called me to come and sit with him in the emergency room because she was too squeamish from all the blood that was everywhere. And as I sat in the emergency room with him for several hours while the surgeon was pinning the bone and reattaching tendons and fixing muscle bellies, I got a wonderful opportunity to talk to him about what medical, the medical field was like, what his profession as a surgeon was like, mm-hmm. and was just really amazed at the kind of things that he had accomplished. And also looking at kind of the designing medical technology and devices, he kind of helped me see that a lot of things are developed, but they're not really useful to the end surgeon because they weren't involved with the development of them in the first place. And I kind of recalled my work that I had done as an auto mechanic and thinking something as simple as changing a fan belt on a car that should take five minutes sometimes it would take an hour as you're removing engine brackets and something that engineering from an engineering point of view sounded great functionally was not that great and so i began thinking maybe i needed to be a physician or be that surgeon using mm. what it was that i wanted to design to better define the question and the parameters of what
0: this needs to actually do mm. i mean that's a beautiful story man i mean it sounds like that was a really key, pivotal moment. Uh, how is your dad's son doing? Was he- it's doing great. Okay. He's got the majority of his function and feeling back then. Okay. That's great. That's great. And then, like, where, where in Utah did you grow up?
1: I grew up in northern Utah mm-hmm. outside of Logan, Utah.
0: Okay. And, like, are we talking, like, a farm farm? Yeah, we're talking a farm. So... Cows, chicken. So
1: cows, grass, some barley, some alfalfa. Mm-hmm.
0: And you're waking up at 3 in the morning helping out?
1: Oh, I didn't wake up that early. I was the, <laughs> the en teenager that wanted to sleep a little bit later. But oftentimes you were up before the sun came up, yeah. mending fences or getting a ditcher ready mm-hmm. to go for the day, um, going to bed well after the sun went down.
0: Are you the first doctor in your family?
1: I am the first doctor in my family.
0: So you must have, been, you must have gotten a lot of questions over the years.
1: Every family reunion, everybody is, will you come look at this? Or <laughs> get phone calls of aunts and uncles mm-hmm. who somebody's in the hospital for something and they want to know more about it. And
0: Are they as excited as you are for the plastic and reconstructive uh, surgery career before you?
1: Well, I think similar to me, most of them don't understand what that actually means. And so a lot of times they're very kind of taken aback mm-hmm. when I tell them that's what I want to go into and they don't really understand why. And then I start telling them. What it is that I actually want to do, and then they always know, oh, I had a sister that had breast cancer mm-hmm. or something, or sister in law that had some sort of cancer that needed a reconstruction, and mm-hmm. and they realize that's what I want to
0: do, and then they're very excited. Yeah, well, you know, man, it sounds like you have like the you have farming skills, you have mechanic skills, which oh, that's awesome. I, I, I wish I had known that. I would have probably. Taking my car to you because I feel I, I do not get treated fairly sometimes when I take our car in. But and then yeah, you're gonna have like these like mad surgery skills. I mean, it's a, it's a beautiful kind of arc. You know, I'm just kind of thinking about the big picture. So you're you're like your hands, like you, they have done amazing things, and we'll do more amazing things. So well, let's there. hope so. I, yeah. Every interview that I go on,
1: one of my hobbies is building furniture out of wood. I love my relaxation or meditation if you will is mm-hmm. being in the garage with the saw and sawdust everywhere and just the smell of the wood is very relaxing to me and it's and building surgeries or not surgery building furniture is something that i'm very passionate about as kind of a hobby the first question i always get asked in all these interviews is do you still have all your fingers <laughs> um, and that is a kind of a concern going on and there are things like that that as you commit to a profession in medicine that you need to kind of evaluate your life. For me, there's been a few of those. The woodworking is one is, am I willing to risk every time I go out and use saws that I might injure a hand? Being a surgeon and hands are very important. And other things being, do I want to continue riding a motorcycle? I've ridden motorcycles off-road since I was very, very young. Mm -hmm. Um, Something I take a lot of enjoyment out of, which is great staying here in Utah because I can leave the classroom, jump on my motorcycle, and within 30 minutes, be up on top of the mountains and fields of wildflowers. And it's just so amazing Mm -hmm. to be in a place where you can do that. But you do really need to – the more patients that come into the emergency room that have been involved in motorcycle crashes, you constantly – Or woodworking accidents. Or woodworking accidents. I've had many chainsaw accidents come through that I've been able to take part in treatment of. And and it makes you kind of reevaluate is – Is this something that's important enough to me that I'm willing to continue it Mm. in thinking about a medical profession? And that's something that I think that everybody should consider is there might be some things in life that you probably should give up Mm -hmm. if you want to pursue a career in medicine beyond just the time to put in. And the answer to that is very personal.
0: Yeah. Well, Ben, you mentioned uh, your wife. Do you have kids?
1: I do not have kids.
0: Well, so my question is, like, how do you find that balance, you know, with your family life? with these hobbies? I mean, how do you do that? Because I I get asked that question a lot. When I go out and talk about medical school, because again, like the perception is outside of medicine is that it's kind of this all-encompassing endeavor. Um, There's a lot of studying that has to take place. And that's all true. But, you you know, when we talk about our souls as human beings, you know, we need connections. We need friendships. We need relationships. We need to pursue activities like hopping on the motorcycle and going up to the fields of flowers. I mean, that's that's very beautiful. I think we all need that on some level. How have you found that balance? How have you balanced all the different demands? Well, I had um, – in preparation for medical
1: school, I shadowed an orthopedic surgeon in St. George. Mm-hmm. And he gave me some great advice. He said, yes, you're going to miss some holidays. You're going to miss some birthdays. But you just need to make sure that the time that you spend with your family, that you, you're there with them. You're not watching football or watching TV, that you're actually – there and involved and in those interactions. And then you feel like you have a lot more time than you actually do. That being said, medical school, I was dramatically surprised at how much time I had Mm. to spend at home with my wife or playing with my dog and working on these hobbies. Um, It's just kind of something that if you make time for it, it can happen. Mm -hmm. Um, Kind of going forward, you need to look Though, as the hours increase through third and fourth year and into residency as they continue to increase and your demands at the hospital increase, kind of making sure that you have a very stable relationship. Um, I'm very blessed to have a wife who can function very independent without me, mm-hmm. um, but yet still enjoys it when I am around. Um, but make, the big thing is just trying to make it a priority when you are there
0: mm-hmm. with them. All right. I enjoy that, Ben. Well, we have a couple more minutes. I need to ask this question. All right, let's pretend a few years from now, uh, you know, you've graduated, uh, your residency, uh, you're a full-fledged plastic and reconstructive surgeon. I am a television producer. Um, I know your story, you know, motorcycles, woodworking. You mentioned Dr. 90210, Nip Tuck, Botched. Would you allow, because, like, you have a fascinating story, would you allow them to do a reality TV series about you've been... The plastic
1: surgeon i don't think i'm interesting enough for a story like that you sound that.
0: pretty interesting to me i could just see the intro with the motorcycle and then you like making a chair i don't know what you do with the woodworking i just think it would be I, I don't know i just think it's you you just have such a down-to-earth feel to you that i think that would counterbalance just kind of the craziness we're we're seeing coming out of like southern california when it comes to these other plastic surgeons so
1: well i mean i think it really boils down to would people watch it and I think compared to, like, Jersey Shore, my life's pretty tame. There's
0: not a whole lot of drama. (laughs) Well, I'm trying to pay you a compliment, Ben. I think you're pretty awesome. Well, thank you very much. Cool. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast. Good luck on the match. It's a few weeks away. um, And I know you have a few more uh, programs to interview at. But uh, I'm I'm really excited for you. I think the future is very bright. Well, I'm very excited as well. All right. Thank you, Ben. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with Dr. Benjamin Chan, the ultimate resource to help you on your journey to and through medical school. A production of the Scope Health Sciences Radio, online at thescoperadio.com.